This morning's reading comes from Luke chapter 10. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan and can be found on page 1041 in the Pew Bibles. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in law replied, the man who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, Let's pray, shall we, as we turn to God's word. Father, thank you um, for your word to us. Thank you that your word um, does your work uh, and by your power. And we pray that this morning, um, that by the Holy Spirit you'd be at work in us and through us, that it may lead us into truth and that we may be shaped by it. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So please do keep that passage open in front of you. We're going to look at it together. And the way I want to look at this is through the lens of the four questions that were asked during the passage. Did you notice there were were four questions? And we're going to look at them in turn. And the first one is there in verse 25. An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? This religious lawyer uh, sets out to test Jesus, to literally to try and trap him, um, to try and catch him, Jesus out. And the question he says here is a very important one. It's, it's not an uncommon one. It's a question that many people ask today. Uh, it's, it's a question that no science, no, no philosophy is able to fathom why there is life and why we have this yearning for eternal life. They have helpful things to say about it, but there's no real answer to that question of why. Um, So the expert lawyer comes uh, and questions, uh, uh, and uh, it's a question we all ask, I think, at some point in our lives. We can't explain it, why we have it. Sometimes atheists struggle to deny it, to admit it, but we all know deep inside If we're truthful, there is something, isn't there, beyond us? 
something beyond this world. As you can imagine, I have had a bit more time on my hands over the past few months. Um, and it's given me an opportunity to do all sorts of important things, like watching an Amazon TV series. <laughs> um, I know you're thinking you should have used it more wisely. But one of the series that I, I've kind of... I call it cultural engagement, okay? And one of the series I, I've caught up with is a, a, a show called Upload. Some of you might have seen it. It's set in the future, 2033, uh, and it's about humans um, that can be uploaded, upload themselves into a virtual afterlife um, of their choosing, well, to the extent that they can afford it. Um, the plot follows Nathan who dies prematurely and he's uploaded to the most expensive afterlife called Lakeview. Sounds like a golf course or something, doesn't it? Uh, he's in this dead digital heaven and he lives an eternal existence of a sort, right? Yet as we find out in this afterlife that's created, um, it's not what... It's not what it seems, because ultimately it's created, isn't it, by humans. And the show raises all sorts of questions about, um, about virtual reality, about AI, lots of important things like that. But in it, the, the, the thing I want to highlight is this, this deep desire in this show for an eternal existence, for eternal life. How, how can it be got? How can I be uploaded? It's kind of what it's asking. And see, this quest for eternal life is not new. It's hardwired into each and every single one of us. The Bible tells us that in Ecclesiastes 3. It tells us that God has set eternity in our hearts. It's already there. And as a result, none of us can stand, I think, you know, if, we, if we're honest, none of us can stand at the edge of an open grave or hold a newborn child in our hands without wanting to kind of ask those deeper questions, to, to sort of push out, to, to touch, to feel, to seek, to taste something that is beyond this, an eternal existence. And of course, what, what happens is that most of us um, figure to find this um, by doing something. We have to do something. We know it exists. We know we don't have it. Like the rest of things in my life, um, we figure we do something to get it, don't we? That's the assumption. We do X, we receive Y, we do good, and we get a prize, we get a ticket, we achieve, and we get to upload into this eternal life. It's such an important question. It's to do with our eternal destiny. And maybe you're here this morning and wondering what that's about wondering about how to get that eternal life. That question is a really important one. So um, we come to Jesus, a bit like this expert, testing Jesus out. And how does Jesus respond? He's, he's so gracious, he's so um, loving and patient, and he goes along with this, this guy um, who comes to him. Rather than sort of doing what, he, what we, he could have done, it's like, how dare you, I was there at the creation of the world, how dare you kind of ask me such a question. He doesn't do that. Instead, he, he, he sees an opportunity, 
and he carefully helps the man see the truth. Truth is really important. So question number one, the religious expert sets out to test Jesus. He asks them this question. The second question comes there in verse 26. Do you see it? It says, what is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? Now, you've got to remember that this man is a religious expert, okay? He should know this kind of stuff already. Um, in, in, those, uh, in those types of people in that day, they would often um, tie the law to, them, to their physically, to their bodies. They'd put it on their beards and on their wrists, uh, in their hair, on their foreheads, uh, to remind them. Sort of almost like a comical uh, sense here. Jesus is sort of, re- sort of replying to this man, well, you're the guy with the law stuck on your wrists uh, and on your forehead. You tell me. And Jesus isn't trying to humiliate the man. He's not trying to show him up. Jesus just wants the man to unpack the important question for himself because he should know the law, because he's an expert in it. Jesus doesn't shut the guy down. He enters into a conversation. He says, okay, what do you think? How do you read it? What does it say? For you see, the expert wanted to try and catch Jesus out. He's thinking maybe Jesus will say something bad about the law, so maybe he'll rubbish the law. Maybe say, say the old is not, not important. But we read elsewhere. If you look into the scriptures, Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He says he comes to fulfill it, doesn't he? And just simply Jesus comes into a conversation with him and saying, just tell me what's written on your, on your clothing. Tell me what it is. How do you read it? Verse 27, the man answers. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus responds, you've answered correctly. All you have to do to inherit eternal life is this. That's all you have to do. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Simple. Isn't it? Right? Simple. But here's the point, isn't it? Really, these words should have died on the man's lips as he said them. Really. As he spoke to them, he he should have realized, I don't do that. I don't do that. I've never really done that. Can any of us seriously say that we've done that this morning? I know I can't. And so Jesus has opened the door. Do you see that? Jesus opens the door here for the good news to come in. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to move the man so he can hear the good news. He turns the table on the man. He gives him a chance. Oh, I don't do this. Please help me. That's what he's trying to get him to admit. And so maybe realise that I don't actually have eternal life. Do you have eternal life? Can you answer that question this morning? But instead, he does what a lot of us do quite often, is that our pride kicks in, doesn't it? And we want to we kind of ask another question and try, and try it again. And that's just as the door of opportunity opens to receive the good news, we try and shut it again. And so he asks another question. You see there in verse 29, he comes quickly back and says, well, Luke tells us that he wanted to justify himself. 
We're always looking for ways for justifying ourselves. I do it all the time. I'm sure you do it all the time. It goes in our, on in our hearts all the time. It's our natural way of, of being, actually. We email our boss to explain all the things that we've done and how great we've been and all the th- good things that we've done and such a great employee and what a great guy I am. And why do we do that? Because we're trying to show him that, that we can be accepted, that we can be honoured, that we can be loved, that we could be uploaded. And we do that all the time. And, and of course, that's what we do with God, isn't it? We come with all our lists of just how brilliant we think we are, and yet Jesus lovingly confronts us with the truth. We're just not that great. And so we look to justify ourselves. We come back with a question. Question number three, who is my neighbor? The question is all about silencing our conscience and hiding our guilt. That's really what it's about. And it's really very important for us to understand how this goes on inside us. It's a very normal progression for many people considering the claims of Jesus. Maybe you're considering them this morning. It boils down to the fact that we're not as good and worthy of eternal life as we think we are. We're quick to think highly of ourselves. We say, I've been here, I've done this, I'm respected. I've been made a canon in the cathedral. You know, I know how it works. I've always minded my P's and Q's. I attend church regularly. I help little old ladies across the road. I give to food bank. I even pay my taxes on time. You know? We're naturally like this. So we want to justify ourselves. We come back with another question. Who is my neighbour? And Jesus, again, he's just Jesus is so loving, isn't he? He's tremendously patient. And he's tremendously kind in this situation. And he just pushes the door back open again so this man can hear enough an opportunity for the good news. He knows the neighbour was more than just the Joneses next door. He knows that. But the question is, how much more is my neighbour? That's kind of what he's asking. And you see, the religious leaders of that time, they had established their own kind of answers to these questions. Love your neighbours more along the lines of of your fellow Israelites or those who are God-fearing. In other words, as long as they lined up with your kind of group, your kind of people, then they were your neighbours. And so the question comes in, really, in the hope that, that Jesus doesn't really mean all people. And so Jesus tells him this famous parable. We, many of us know it really well. We've been taught it for many years. And sometimes we can get a bit confused with it. it this, this is not a story about how you get eternal life, okay? And often we read it as Jesus teaches uh, about being a good Samaritan. You should be a good Samaritan, like Jesus, and that's the way you'll get eternal life and get uploaded. That's not what he's teaching here. No, he's answering the question, remember, who is my neighbour? And so Jesus tells him, and of course in in doing he gives him a real lesson in race relations, doesn't he? Verse 30, a man goes down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was about 30 miles. 
it was rough terrain, it was steep, it was dangerous, he's attacked, this man is stripped, beaten, he's left for dead. Verse 31, a priest comes along, sees a man, he passes by, Verse 32, a Levite comes along. The Levite does a little bit better, doesn't he? He kind of at least goes over and looks at the man and goes, oh, and then rushes off. Probably thinking to himself, maybe the attacker's still around. Maybe he's thinking, you know, I've got things to do. I've got people to see. I've got sermons to write. My wife said I need to be home by five. I've got, I've got to go. Now imagine for a moment, ask yourself the question, what does the religious expert here think the punchline will be? What does he think will be the punchline? Because I think he's probably thinking this is kind of some sort of anti-clerical, anti-religious establishment kind of story. This is about the kind of useless religious leaders. This is about the, actually, this, is, this will show, I know what's coming, this will be about the rise of the common man. You know, the kind of van man that the BBC wheel out <laughs> on the TV to give an interview. Uh, coming along, uh, who works hard for a living, who shows up the religious leaders. But no, wait. It's not that. It's actually more shocking. It's deeply shocking. What the man will hear will, will blow his world apart. It blows our world apart. You listen carefully. It's a, it's a Samaritan travelled. A Samaritan travelled down the road. Verse 33. came where the man was and where he saw him. He took pity on him. He took care of him. He bound up his wounds. He took him to a hostel. He gave him money to support him. He showed every possible way to be loving and kind to him. He just lavished it upon him. And you can imagine that the, the face of the expert in the Lord, just the blood just kind of draining out of him, going, are you, are you kidding me? This is unbelievable. This is unthinkable. How dare you suggest that the Samaritans... I mean, the Samaritans were hated. They were, they were seen as enemies. Who is my neighbour? He was hoping the answer would be a select few. You know, the kind of ones he liked to hang out with. So he could justify himself. So he could say, oh, I do that. But Jesus blows that away. And so we turn to our final uh, question in verse 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? It's a straightforward question, right? Um, with an easy answer. And yet, the man's answer, he, he can't even say the word Samaritan, can he? he? He simply says in verse 37, the one who had mercy on him. It's like he kind of, the word Samaritan got stuck in his throat. Couldn't even say it. You see, if this is what it means to love your neighbour, those across racial uh, um, divides, across religious divides, across social barriers, if this is an expression of true love described by God in the law, we should all be asking, 
do I really love my neighbor? And the religious expert could barely bring himself to say it. And that's where it ends, isn't it? Except, almost. As Jesus says these words, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. But he couldn't, could he? He couldn't. And, and, and the reality is neither you nor I can do this. We cannot love like this. And, and that's the issue. And that's, what the, that's the question that confronts that man and confronts each one of us this morning. How can I, as I am unable to do anything good enough to obtain eternal life, about which we yearn and long for in our hearts, which the Bible speaks about, to get to inherit eternal life, which is where this all began with. Just go out there, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor, who is is actually everyone. Are you kidding me? We just don't come close, do we? Are we just being set up here for a a big fall? (laughs) Well, on one level, yeah. No one can do this. But of course, say one person. One person who's lived like this. And you know his name. The answer is always Jesus Christ, right? That's the Sunday school. If you think about it, see, Jesus comes along to fulfill the law, doesn't he? To live the life we couldn't live. He lives the life we could, couldn't live. He loves the Lord or his God with all his heart, mind, and soul and strength. And he loved every neighbor that he met all of the time. And he does that so for us who break the law of love all the time and couldn't possibly keep it, may on the basis of what he did on the cross for us, which we're going to remember shortly, could be welcomed into his presence and inherit eternal life. Am I saying you can't earn it? Am I saying you can't buy it? Am I saying you can't achieve it? Yes, 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 I'm saying that. Because it simply has to be done for you. And that's why Jesus came. He came to do it for you. He came to do it for me. He lived the life of love we couldn't live. And he died the death that we should have died because of our unrighteousness and our failure to love. And this is good news. This is what we're going to remember shortly through receiving bread and wine. Remembering that Jesus has done it because we couldn't do it. Do you have eternal life? Jesus is so gentle here and patient and kind. He opens the door of opportunity for this man. He goes through this story in order to help the man see his desperate need of eternal life. Do you have eternal life here this morning? That is the question for each of us. It's such an important question. You know, I, 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 um, I was a big f- fan of Friends. Uh, it's my generation, okay? So if you're of an older generation, you probably scoff at that thought. And if you're a younger generation, you probably think, what, what is Friends? <laughs> 
Um, but I was the generation of friends, okay, and uh, used to love it as a, as a, 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 a late teen and, and uh, university. And I'm sure many of you who, who liked friends um, were sad at the, what had happened to Matthew um, Perry, who played Chandler in the program. Anyway, I was reading about his life this week, and um, it was quite a, he had quite a powerful encounter with God. He said in a moment of desperation, he said this, he said, he said, God, please help me. Show me you are here. And, and having prayed, Perry experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, he said this, he said, for the first time in my life, I felt okay. I felt safe, taken care of. This time I prayed the right thing, help. And God has shown me a sliver of what life could be. That, friends, is the good news of Jesus. And all we need is a need. <laughs> That's all you need is a need to cry out help. I can't justify myself. I can't live like this. I'm not loving as you require, Lord. And the story of the Good Samaritan is not the, the, the attitude of the Samaritan is the way to eternal life. No, the attitude of the Samaritan is the way of life for those who confess that he could never, ever, ever live like that. So maybe you're here this morning and you want that way of life, a, love of lo- a life of love, but sometimes we, we fall into that thinking that we want it on our own terms to define who and when and how I love so that we can justify ourselves. To say, hey, look how good I am to God. And Jesus says, no, I'm afraid that's... You can't do it. He says, you need help. You just need to cry out help to the Lord. Do that this morning. Can I encourage you, if you haven't done that, to do that? He's more than gracious and loving to do that. Matthew Perry saw that. The expert here in the law was struggling to do that. But Jesus took patience and he took kindness to show him of his need. And we can do that same thing today. Let's take a moment to pray, shall we? Um, Father God, we just thank you so much for this amazing story in your words. We thank you for what it teaches about you and about Jesus and his loving kindness and how he opens the door of opportunity to, for us to, cu- to cry out help and to come in. Uh, we pray um, that maybe that is a prayer we could make for the first time today. And also, Father, for those who've maybe been Christians for many years, we pray that we wouldn't fall back into a, a justifying spirit in our lives. Just help us to keep coming back humbly, saying that we need your grace, your love, to restore us constantly so that we might live a way of love. Please, Father, would you show us this and help us in this? For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.